What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan. Happy to be with you today. So, you know, something I think is really interesting is I think we often misuse the term best friend, right? A lot of times we kind of use, and I'm a lover of language, uh, you know, Emily would call me a grammar Nazi or the word police. And so I love thinking about the usage of words, the meaning of words, and uh, yeah, just communication in that way. And I think that best friend is such an interesting concept because a lot of times we want to say our favorite friend or our closest friend, right? But your best friend should be who is your actual best friend, which makes you question and think about what does it mean to be a good friend? Um, and so I think all this, you know, I was just kind of reflecting on this because today's episode, I believe, has my best friend in it. And so I think that Bob Doherty is, uh, you know, you know, my best, if not my best friend, one of my best friends for sure. Um, because he's a man who's held me accountable. He's pushed me in many ways, challenged me in many ways to be better by his example and his words, um, his accountability of me. You know, it's really been an iron sharpener. As iron sharpens iron, so man, one man sharpens another. Bob has been that for me in a lot of ways. Uh, played a critical role in his conversion story uh, that is, I think, very <laughs> exciting and intriguing. And so I hope you'll take a lot away from that today. But we just had a great conversation about uh, his conversion uh, our journey together and our friendship, accountability. And we talk a lot about evangelization and what that looks like, how to balance the need to set a good example through actions, but also to use words to answer questions, help people overcome objections to the faith, to understand the faith in a deeper way, and just how we can grow uh, closer to one another, closer to being our personal best uh, through the assistance of uh, assisting other people in their faith journey as well. So hope you enjoy uh, all the things that we shared today, our transparency, our transparency in our journeys. Um, and uh, yeah, just a lot of Bob's wisdom in this episode today. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. My dude. Bob Doherty, how are you doing, my man? Nathan, I am great, my buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Always good when I get to see your flow, you know, rocking some <laughs> Princeton Sprint football gear on an early, or not early Saturday morning, but on a Saturday morning. Uh, this is this is quite the delight. So it's great to have you on the podcast. You know, I think a lot of people don't know the, the pivotal role you played in getting Seeking Excellence to, to where we are, the shadow hero, if you will, of SE. So I'm excited to talk about some of that today, but... Uh, first, before we get to the founding of SC, I'd love for you to just share some of your background story, you know, how I'm a personal hero of yours, uh, any of that type of stuff, I think would be great just to kind of kick us off. Man, your head is uh, bigger than I remembered, but no, I can't. <laughs> it's never shrunk. Uh, <laughs> it's never shrunk. No, it's, it's really my pleasure, and I, I appreciate you having me on today. Um, it's, it's definitely something I've been looking forward to. Um, quickly about me, you know, for, for your listeners, uh, I, you know, I was born in Southeast Pennsylvania, a little small town outside Philadelphia with some, you know, awesome parents, great siblings. I, I went to college, did RTC while I was there, uh, ended up joining the military and active duty as an infantry officer, um, of which you were obviously a significant part of that, that, that part of my story. Everyone. After that, you know, I spent about five years, five years in the military, deployed to Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, but then ultimately just discerned that God was calling me kind of a different, a different route in life. So I left active duty, married my wife, Sarah, and then moved to New York to work for a startup. Love it, dude. Uh, 
you know, I, while I appreciate your humility, I will not allow it to go unspoken or unsaid that you went to a small school in New Jersey uh, called Princeton University. Uh, you also served in Ranger Regiment, deployed, as you said, very quickly, both to Afghanistan and Iraq in the short period of five years, which is pretty amazing. Served in the 82nd Airborne Division with me um, in different brigades, but we were there at the same time, which was fun. And uh, your wife is the greatest accomplishment of all because Sarah is a rock star and I love her um, with all of my heart and she's just an absolutely incredible human being. So that is definitely she's a, pretty great. a substantial high and it's been cool to kind of <laughs> watch your journey, you know? Um, yeah. And just kind of see all of that stuff. So I want to talk a little bit more about, uh, your conversion story because people love conversion stories, you know, uh, love that, you know, like if you watch the EWTN special that I did the interview, that came up former Lutheran the whole time. So if yours was up, it'd just be for the former heathen, I think, uh, be former heathen Bob Doherty. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, I'm just playing, but I could have been former Lutheran slash heathen. Uh, so I have no room to talk either, but let's talk about former heathen Bob Doherty. How did the, what was the draw? What got you to, to want to become Catholic and, and get baptized as an adult? Love it, man. Um, and honestly, this is this is going to sound like a, an advertisement for for <laughs> Nathan Craigfield. But um, with that in mind, you know, I so I was born and raised, as you well know, um, with a great set of parents um, who really gave me an awesome, awesome set of virtues and principles. But it was really outside of any specific church context. You know, right? Um, we we could. I could count on one hand the number of times we went to church um, growing up. And, you know, usually it was with family or friends for Easter or Christmas. Uh, but really, it was, my, it was my teenage years that I first started asking that question of, you know, why am I here? The question that ultimately everyone asks themselves at some point in life. Uh, so I really started looking for answers, you know. I, but, and, and in that time, I mostly settled on kind of the agnostic, atheist perspective, just depending on the time of day and, and the year. Um, but I never really felt like I found a, a good answer to the question overall. Um, and, and then college arrives and, you know, certainly college is a, is a very formative time for many people. Uh, and, and for me, you know, I, I really kind of leaned into the, um, the scene there, if, if, if you'd say, um, right. and, and certainly made, certainly made secular college lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. you could, you could put it that way. Um, and, and made my share of mistakes, you know. Um, but most significantly, you know, at, at the end of my junior year, I made this really big mistake that that really hurt some people I cared about, you know, cared about very deeply. Um, you know, knowing what I know now, I just I described that as a mortal sin that I committed. But but back then, I just knew it was a huge issue, you know, um, and, and I tried to, you know, I tried to avoid responsibility for it. But I just really couldn't get past this thing. Um, and, and that's right when, you know, you yourself, Mr. Nathan Crankfield walked into my life in uh Fort Knox, Fort Knox, Kentucky. That's right. So, so we were, so we were at a month of army training together. Um, and like we were this, in the same the summer same, 2014. Uh, yeah. 2014. Almost seven years right. ago. Wow. I get this. Uh, so we're, we're in the same group of cadets, you know, 35 cadets from across the nation. And it was, you know, the training was what it was, but what was interesting to me was, was getting a chance to meet you and get to know you. Um, because yeah, I was really struck by you. And, I, and again, I don't want to blow your head up, but you were fun to be around. You were athletic. You told good jokes. Um, but the, the piece that was really interesting to me, <laughs> not as much as you give yourself credit for. Um, <laughs> but what was really interesting to me, man, was, was that you were always reading your Bible. You were always praying the rosary and yeah. you were going to basically every single church service that they offered. Um, which was confusing for me because, you know, me, from my background, I had this image, I had this image in my head that Christians are bookworms, you know, they're, right. they're kind of like the no fun zone. Like um, the Amish. They, like the a Amish. reference. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lancaster. Um, and, and it was just really, you know, people who spent all their time in the library and in the church and they never told jokes. They never had any fun. They didn't, you know, play sports. Uh, but again, not a normalcy you, at all. Yeah, right. In your right. Vision. Um, but but you definitely broke that picture in my head, and and that was what sort of first kind of piqued me piqued my interest to some degree. Uh, obviously, we, we became friends during the course of the training, um, and then at the end of the camp, you know, I think I think we got to the point where, you know, I, I kind of confided in you that, like, I wasn't religious at all, but 
I, I felt really bad about something that I'd done. And I knew that when you feel bad about something you did and you want to say sorry for it, you're supposed to go to this thing called confession. Right. Um, <laughs> so how was your first confession? <laughs> you could put it that way, I guess. There was no absolution uh, there, but there was confiding. There was no absolution, <laughs> but there was some, there was some confiding. Exactly. Um, so you took the step and, and you, you encouraged me, Hey, why don't you come to mass with me? Um, so we went to mass right there. I think this was like the last week of the last week of the training. Uh, and the, the, cool part, the cool part about that, if you remember is it was the, uh, he was the general, like the two-star general who's in charge of the chaplain corps was the priest. No kidding. Yeah. I went to confession with the priest who was the two-star general that was like the head of chaplains in the, the whole, the whole army. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, so that would have been not was, much to you at the time, probably. But, um, <laughs> oh, I was totally lost. I was totally right. lost. People yeah, you had standing, enough going on. People were kneeling. Right. You know, I, I was just kind of just trying to figure out how to, how to, how to keep up. Sure. Um, but anyway, so we, we go to mass together and then we stick around afterwards. And I, and, and I guess ask that general um, if he can hear our confessions. Uh, so I'm sure he was a little confused when I walked into the booth. Um, didn't really know what to say or, you know, all the, all the parts, but I tell you, I walked out of that booth feeling like a completely new man, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I, I will never forget that feeling, uh, that feeling of absolution that I have when I, when I genuinely with a contrite heart said that I was sorry for, for the sins that I committed and asked, asked for grace, you know, asked for someone to say, I forgive you. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't think I was at, I, I didn't realize I was asking God that moment. Right. But yeah, um, just having that that like wave of grace come over me um, really made a huge impression on me. Um, so we went our separate ways from there, and you know we go back senior year, but we agreed to stay in touch naturally. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> the uh, my, my brief foray into the Christian life did not stick uh, right. over the course of that next year. Uh, I went back to a lot of my old ways, and I made a lot more mistakes, um, and in, in many ways, really. Uh, leaned into that that lifestyle that Hollywood and you know modern culture wants to lead us to believe is what's best for you. You know, going out a lot, um, dating a lot of women, just you know caring about yourself and, and nobody else. Um, but when and when I ended that year, I remember you know talking to, talking with you. I was just so depressed and you know to to a degree that that I don't think I'd ever been in my life. Um, and I kind of side alongside that was a very interesting series of coincidences that ultimately drove us back together. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm sure you remember this, but, but looking back on it, you know, it, it was absolutely God's will to push us together and, and to get to know each other even deeper. Um, but, but quickly just a series of, a series of coincidences throughout that whole year of us both branching active duty, uh, or excuse me, both getting active duty and then both branching infantry then we both get assigned at the same duty station after, you know, after Fort, right. including Fort Benning and then Fort Bragg. Yep. And then we even get the same Bullock date. Uh, so we're both showing up to Fort Benning on the <laughs> yeah. same day. Um, and then we don't need to go through the rest of it, but we end up getting assigned to the, literally the exact same fire team of four people. Um, so out of, I mean, how, I don't even know how many infantry officers there are a year, call it 5,000. Um, like we get assigned to the same group of four people so right. much that we spend like, 99% of our first six months in the army together within 10 feet of each other you know? <laughs> between because, living together and that for sure <laughs> yeah yeah because we end up you know we live together and then you know we, we drove to work every morning together and right um, we even also had the george c marshall award in uh fort leavenworth that's right just down the road here oh, from I, forgot, I totally forgot about that that was in like spring yeah. i think like march of senior year we both were like one of i think like 150 cadets or something to go out here for a few days that's right yeah Man, I totally forgot about that one. But yeah, it was just, it was crazy to, to again, it's its absolutely God's will looking back on it in hindsight. Um, but at the time, it's just this kind of crazy series of coincidences that sure, is yeah. pushing us closer and closer together. So, so we, you know, we roll up in Fort Benning, Georgia, I think on June 23rd, 2015. That's right. Um, somehow, I still remember that date. I think it's because it's on your orders. But yeah. um, he had anyway, to write it a we, lot. Yeah. Yeah. And your mom comes down. I think your aunt was there too to help us move in. Yep. And um, Kate and Chris. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so we get all moved in and I remember, you know, we're tossing like a baseball in the parking lot um, and, and kind of relaying the last year, just doing life updates. Um, and the, uh, you know, you quote to me, I, I tell you, first of all, like, like that, 
and, you know, never been more depressed in my life and just felt like things were kind of going off track to some degree. Right. Um, and, and you're, you know, you kind of offered to me, well, Hey, have you thought about like, have you thought about going back to church? You know, we went that one time in, in Kansas, but, um, have you thought about maybe going back? Right. And of course, can I, can I, I catch you, you off real you quick the, right there? Go. Yeah, I just want to pause right there. This is one of my, fa- this is one of my favorite stories. Right. I tell the story every week, but um, yeah. I just think it's so important to point out there. And it, I know that you're humble. Don't want to talk about yourself like this, but in that moment, when you said that, like to me, like you were, I, I, and you know this, and you, you showed this in your military career, like you were better at the army than I was. You were Princeton, you know, graduate, you were going, uh, you know, you were an athlete, good looking dude, like a lot of success in your future, you know? So hearing that, was it's just always so powerful I think because we can look at a lot of times at those people who kind of seem like they have it all going on you know intelligent talented attractive people and a lot of people just don't like if if you're not formed in your faith it's easy to just kind of be like well you should be happy you have everything you know like that's kind of like the worldly perspective but praise the lord for previously working in my heart you know so that I would have I knew what you're you know that you had a god-sized hole in your heart and was able to kind of address that and recommend like you said to have you thought about Jesus again? You know, have you thought about uh, going back to church? hundred percent, man. And, and that, that, um, you know, that pursuit of perfection that, that plagues so many of us, right. That, that we always feel like we have to put forth this, this perfect exterior that, uh, right. and, and not share our problems, right. Not, not share that our struggles with the people who are closest to us. It's, it's so devastating for people's hearts and people's souls. Um, and we have to be willing to ask, right. We have to be willing to, to raise our hand and say like, I need help um, th- things aren't going right for me right now. Like, how do I get out of this? So, um, yeah, it's, 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 a it goes both ways. Um, oh man, I remember the, you know, you quoted, you quoted that day and this is a quick plug for always being for, for memorizing scripture. Um, and always being, always having to have it, yes. having it handy for yourself, but you, you quote like one Timothy, one Timothy, uh, to me, you know, chapter one, and I'm going to, I'm going to say it now just because it's so powerful for me. It is good. Um, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that through me, the worst of sinners, Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Boom. So you, you just dropped that off the top of your head um, as we're like playing catch in the parking lot. That's right. And it, it floored me, right? Because I'm, uh, you know, the fact that like, I'd never thought about the fact that you know, that, that idea that he came into the world to save me, the absolute worst of sinners, right? Because it's through the worst sinners that he shows his in, infinite power, right? He shows yep. his, it shows, it shows his completely abundant grace, you know? That's um, right. So, so, so with that, right, um, we start going to mass together um, there at St. Anne's, St. Anne's, uh, St. Anne's School and Parish uh, in Columbus, Georgia, Um and I tell you, like over the over the next six months, we really, we were really just making some good music together. Um, like, <laughs> get, get going to mass, um, going to daily mass while we were at Bullock, um, reading the Bible together, um, doing Andy Minio concerts. Yeah, I went to the Andy Minio concert. That's right. Yeah, one one six. And and it, what was so cool for me was that. Um, again, coming from such a, like, kind of a secular worldview, you know, every time that uh, I learned a new teaching or, um, you know, we talked about some way to get a little bit deeper in our faith, I remember I was very, like, resistant to it at first, you know, right. um, but what was shocking to me and, and part of what really, like, brought me um, finally to receiving the sacrament of baptism and, and my, my, my confirmation of First Communion um, in, in December of that year, December of 2015, um, what was so cool what was so powerful for me was that every time i gave something up for god i was repaid sevenfold you know right. uh, every time i gave up something that that i thought you know this whole christian thing is cool it's it's fun like you know i, I feel better i'm sure there's some, there's good there's good teachings that i'm learning but like i would never give up x for god 
because right. like he can't touch this part of my life. When I finally surrendered to him and, and gave him access to that and let him shape it, um, that's when I was repaid. Baller. So yeah. I think that's so great, man. And there's two, there's two bits of wisdom that I always share when I, t- I talk about your story, when I share your testimony, <laughs> if you will, um, that I absolutely love. And I think that they're both really important because they hold us accountable as evangelists, right? And so the first one is, um, and you, you probably remember this, like when we first, when we left that baseball moment, the, the easy way, like the short, quick way to tell the story, which we kind of did there, is is that like you started going to mass and you did you did share about your struggles with the teachings and stuff like that which is which is awesome and true but even after we left that day it's not like you went to mass every sunday right oh yeah 100 percent. and so i think it's so key for people to know 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 that um the kind of challenging moment that we had so basically like bob starts kind of you're kind of going you're kind of flaking on me every sunday i'm like you want to go to mass and you're like no man i'll go next week Hey, Bob, you want to go to Bass tomorrow or today? No, man, I'll go next week, you know? And then one day, <laughs> I had to just tell you like it was, man. And I was like, look, brother, either you're going to do this or you're not, but we're not going to play this. Like, I'll go sometimes and then I won't go because then you're never going to experience it. So I was like, hey, give me 30 days. You know, like, I need you to go for 30 days. Like, I need yeah. you to commit to going the next four weeks. And if you see no difference, like, then then fine, go back to your life. But you can't do this half in half out and expect that something's going to change and no half measures. Yeah. And praise God for your humility. Like you really received that well. And you were like, yeah, I know that, that adds up, right? Like, you're like, I guess that makes Checks sense. Out. Yeah. It's just like the gym, right? Like people will be like, it's Oh, true. working out doesn't work for me or hear it from guys all the time. Right. Like, Oh, I just can't get big or whatever. And it's like, well, how long have you tried? And it's like none of, 98% of the guys who say that have not tried to for more than three like, days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll be like, Oh, I eat as much as I can. It's like, well, you're not working out. <laughs> you have right. to also work out to build. Like, you gotta just get fat. Yeah, you have a high metabolism, like like fully tracking. But there are things you can do, and so I think that's so important because I think a lot of people in that are always afraid to challenge. Like we don't right. have a ch- and like read scripture. Absolutely. Like where did I get that from? Saint Paul, right? Yeah. Like the guy that you fell in love with when we were tossing <laughs> baseball. Like that's how he talks to people. He's like, right. stop it. You know, like you have to try if you're gonna do this. Let's do it. I couldn't agree more. And, and, and the thing I would add too, um, is I think sometimes you have this faulty perspective uh, in two folds of one, you expect fast results, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and we both know that like the things that are most valuable in life, the things that are um, most worth, you know, most worth pursuing are not easy. They're not things that come immediately. Um, they're not things that just one day, right? Um, right they require, they require dedication, they require discipline. Uh, and, you know, Sarah makes this point all the time to me, like, you know, she talks about discipline, desire, delight, right? Um, usually, usually we talk about it in the, in the, in the context of reading scripture. Um, but this idea that like, the first time you try and build a new habit, or, um, you know, get back to like praying every day or reading scripture, whatever, um, it does kind of suck, you know, like, right, it's not, it's not just like, all sunshine and rainbows. Um, and you have to have the discipline to say like, no, no it's like, not. It's gonna be the, like I'm going to wake up and I'm going to read, I'm going to read my Bible or like at lunchtime, you know, before I go and get lunch, like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to, you know, I'm going to do a rosary. Right. Um, you, you and I did mass. this even, right. Yeah. Like, like on our way to um, sacrifices <laughs> on our way to, uh, we wouldn't listen to music in the car uh, until we had prayed a rosary that day, right. you know, like, so, so discipline, right. And then once you actually build, start to build that habit, you start to delight in the habit. Uh, or, excuse me, sorry. You start, you start to desire the habit. You start to want to do it more, which then ultimately leads to you delighting in the habit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one. It's like the, the, the fast the, the fast results, um, it tends not to be there for the things that are really actually going to be valuable for you in the long run. Um, the second thing is, I think sometimes we have this faulty perspective that it's just this straight trend line up and to the right, you know? Yeah that like if you (laughs) right that it's just like every day you know you're just constantly doing that you know you're doing came out the baptismal waters and everything was (laughs) like you were colorblind before but now you can see yep and it never went back yep oh but it's it's the stock market man you know like you have up days you have down days some days some days you have some horrible down days right you you have bull markets you have bear markets um and generally the hope is the hope is that it's always trending up to the right, right. you know, praise, pra- like, what's well, a long, long game. Um, 
but but sometimes I think people get really discouraged when they have those down days, right? And when they have those those desert periods in their lives, um, whether it be their faith or in their relationships, um, and it really like really affects them. You know, they have that desolation um, when you got to remember that, like, hey, just just as you know, just as fast as you're dying in something, like you can be you can be growing the next day and going back up towards where you want to ultimately end up. Right. Hundred so. percent. No, I think that's so important because I think that there's always that you know desire or. Uh, you know, we're, Emily and I in our book of the month right now are reading Grit by Angela Duckworth. And she talks about yeah. that, right? Like it's all about uh, consistency of effort versus we always want to think there's like these natural talents. So these people are just like naturally good at this. Right. They're naturally better at praying. They're naturally, or people who go to daily mass, they have a lot of time in their schedule. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to pray the rosary. I don't have time to read the Bible. And it's like, dog, like I would tell people like Colin and I, when we were at Fort Bragg together, the same company, like we would sneak out and risk getting in trouble over our lunch break to go to daily mass once a week. And it was all we could do. But I felt like I was getting the same yeah. graces as when I was going four times a week in college, because in college, it was easy. But as an adult, you right. have to either wake up early, skip lunch or do something like there's no easy way to do it if you have a full time job. Right. Right. And so you have yeah. to make those sacrifices. The other the other really important thing that I think is so key uh, in your story. And this, I'm gonna say this as humbly as I can, because I truly believe that, you know, if you would have met me at other points in my life, you would, you wouldn't, neither of us would be where we are now. Right. Cause you've helped me immensely. Absolutely. I've helped you immensely and praise God that I was coming straight out of the mountain, super on fire, you know, when we, when we were there um, in Fort Benning, <laughs> but I just think this is such a good like parenting tip. And, and one of the main things that we see just like tearing the church apart is like what you just, what you discussed about how after you converted or even while you were converting, like what you saw from me, was your normal. Like, I love, I love that concept that like for you, oh, when you, when you, cause you, because you had almost the gift of having a clean slate of religion, you know, of being like completely secular up to that point, barely going to church at all. This is kind of right. how I was that I got no to completely habits. look at what does excellence look like in Catholicism. And that's exactly what you got to see. Cause I was at my peak, you know, of going to mass several times a week, praying every day, the rosary, studying scripture, listening to podcasts, you know, doing all the things, evangelizing, and so that's what you got to see, you know, like that was, I love the, I love the new swag. Uh, just don the one, one, six sweatshirt that we bought together. That was, that was a great move there. Um, but it's, it's so important, you know, that you got to see that we were doing leading faith formation for the privates member and basic training together. Uh, like yeah. you said, studying scripture, listening to Christian music, listening to father, Mike Schmitz, praying, going to daily mass, going to confession regularly. Like that's what you got to see. And like, when you were forming, like, what is a Catholic man? What does Catholicism look like lived out? That's what it was. And so for so many unfortunate people out there, um, we, uh, they, they got to see examples of what is Catholicism that were just like less than lukewarm, you know, that, but that they think are like a nine or an eight or a nine or a 10. But these are people who dads that barely went to mass or moms that went to mass and didn't do anything else, didn't pray, didn't understand the faith, didn't evangelize. And so that's what they're kind of normal look like. But luck, almost luckily for us, we didn't have any standard of what does that look like. And so we oh. made our own, you know, and we got to pursue that and like look to actual saints and like awesome people like Father Mike to be like, right, oh, is this what it looks like? This is it, you know? I tell you, it, it's, it's, it, I, I love where you're going with, you know, where, where, what you just said. Um, sometimes like, you know, to, to give an example from, you know, like the military, um, sometimes, sometimes the worst shooters in basic training are the people who come in like having yes. played with guns their whole life. Right. Because they come in, like oh, they, they think they, they, they think they know what they're doing. Uh, but they turns out they've got all these bad habits. Cause yep. like they never had, they never had a proper teacher before. Um, bad foundation. So they, they, yeah. Bad foundation. They come in with a lot of pride and a lot of like, no, this is what right looks like. Um, yep. Like, you know, my, my dad who went to war in you know, Vietnam, like he told me this is the way to do it. Right. When it's yeah. like in reality, we've actually got like a lot of great, you know, there, there's a right way to do these things. If you if you look at the manuals and you follow the, you know, the, the instructors, right, that the the doctrine that army teaches you. Yeah. So it turns out that like a lot of the best shooters in our class uh, there at Benning were people who had never shot before in their lives, right, or done so very very infrequently because they were blank slates. You know, they were they were they were clean. So no bad habits to overcome, and and you could just really see their growth take off. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly the question that I want a lot of people to reflect on. And I don't think, like thinking about being here, like a college, like Benedictine college, right? Like there's so many cradle Catholics that come 
And I don't think we teach people to reflect enough on what are the bad habits you've learned, you know? And that's what I hope to teach people through like what is spiritual excellence and just like excellence in general look like, but even think about how that, how much that um, goes into other areas of your life, relationship, bad habits that you've learned, financial bad habits that you've learned from your parents and loved ones and siblings and things like that. Like we take these things and like I've, I've long thought this, that people who like really idolize their parents can get into a very dangerous spot of never actually self-improvement, like never actually improving upon themselves because they're just like, well, I just want to be like my dad. And it's like, well, your dad was, you know, decent. Like I'm not saying he was, he was, and I'm not talking to you, but I'm saying like, you know, these people generally or your mom or your dad were like decent. Like, I'm not saying that they're awful, but you should aspire for more than that. Even if nothing else for the fact that like your parents sacrificed for you to be better than them, right? Like they fight for that to happen. And I think that's so important for us to take that and go to the next level, but really evaluate like, what kind of bad habits do I have? Because I remember arguing with people or just like discussing this with kids in college who basically thought that like holiness was generational or like holiness was uh, able to be passed down through generations, right? Like, oh, my grandma goes to mass every day. I'm super right. Catholic. And it's like, you know, your grandma's mass attendance has nothing to do with your soul almost like, like very little, obviously we're all interconnected. So when grandma gets holier, the whole church gets holier and that's great. Sure. Grandma's praying for you. Her, her prayers are strong and they matter. But if you're just like neglecting the Lord in your life, like grandma's not going to save you. You know what I mean? Like that is not the move, my dude. People will be like, oh, I was an altar server for eight years. It's like, well, now you don't go to mass. So like, you know, like I I think it's great that your parents signed you up for involuntary service. But when you were eight years old. Yeah. Like, what does that have to do with today? You know what I mean? Like what decisions are you making today? Ours is a living faith, you know what I mean? And it's, it's yeah. one that it's one that you have to, you constantly have to rededicate yourself to. Um, and, and especially when it comes to, when it comes to growth, like what was, you know, I, I love th- talking about this with, with sin particular um, and, and going to confession, right? Um, if you, if you ever keep track of your, not that you should be keeping a ledger of your sins, right? But if you, if you <laughs> let's, take, hope <laughs> let's hope not, you know, but, it, but if you, if you like, identify some broad trends in your confessions right and you see like wow i've been confessing the same sin for four years now right um i mean first of all like let's let's fix that and let's let's figure out how to how to move on from that but but it's awesome for me to be able to see like four years ago the kinds of sins that i was dealing with right Mm -hmm. um and then see maybe like relatively speaking i mean the, the sins that i'm dealing with now let's to give an example right um so someone who's like not a christian at all right the sins that they might, that might be worse on their heart is, Hey, I committed adultery or I like, you know, just was a really bad dude, like committed crimes, stole from people, things like that. Um, but then if you're like a strong Christian, your sins are, might be more like, Hey, I, I was, um, I was cruel to my wife or, uh, I was uncaring to my parents, um, which like in the, in the scheme of things, right. Like the, the sin it's, you know, that, the the relative like badness of the sin right it, it's it just is a big of an impact on my soul because god is still holding is holding me to a higher higher level of accountability you know what i mean mm-hmm. now that now that i've grown in my faith like these sins that you know five years ago wouldn't even like make the make the uh, make the list of things that i confessed right yeah, um you wouldn't like, even thought of them <laughs> i would never even thought of them as sins right like yeah um but but now like since i've been able to grow my faith um like god's moved the bar for me you know like yeah. he, he's constantly moving the goalposts on us right and helping us grow into into in like good perfect in a good way yeah not in a <laughs> french laundry <laughs> um the uh but yeah right exactly in a good way uh in a way that like is continually pushing us to always be better, to always grow closer to, uh, to him, to, to become the best version of ourselves. Right. What Matthew Kelly says to, to ultimately become saints. Right. Yeah. I love it, dude. Um, oh, and the, the other thing, sorry, with, with regards to parents too, um, like your parents, at least mine, they're, they, they're the first ones to say that they did not do everything perfectly. You know, that like they didn't, there's no book on There's My mom always says, God bless her. She always says, there's no book on parenting, you know, yeah. um, nobody tells you like how to do this thing. That's right. Um, so, so I, I would say they're, they're going to be the first ones to say like, I'm not infallible, you know, and you shouldn't take my word as gospel on everything. Uh, and parents certainly like they are studs in many ways. Right. But like, um, they're not, they're not, they're not perfect in every way. And we, we shouldn't have this war perspective that like, 
just because they did everything a certain way is the way that we should do it too. You know, definitely honor and respect your parents and like um, yeah. take take their like best qualities, right? And continue to integrate them into your in your own life, but also learn from their mistakes, learn from the ways that 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 they face challenges, the, the obstacles that they've uh, that they continue to face, and. Right. And, and ultimately, like you said, uh, move on and, and, and hopefully achieve even new heights. Yeah. Build upon those. That's so important. Totally. Yeah, no, I love that, man. And the last thing I want to talk about with your, with your story is just the importance of the words and actions combo, right? So we talked a lot about how like you were able to see my actions and things like that. Um, and, you know, the same way that I did for so many people who set the example for me, but I think both of us needed a lot of words as well in our conversion, right? Like we needed a lot of convincing. We Absolutely. are definitely big, like why and purpose people. And so we had to have hard conversations. So there has to be that balance. And this is why I tell people, you know, you think of four signs of dynamic Catholics by um, Matthew Kelly, like he talks about that study, the link to study and evangelization is very, very real. And too many people talk, like want to lean on that that quote, you know, that uh, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words because they, kind of like to think of that last part as it's never necessary to use words, but it's like, okay, words might be secondary, but they're very, very important. You know what I mean? It's like, kind of like if you built a football team around a strong offense, like your defense still matters, you know, or if you built it around a strong defense, like you're off, you still got to score. And so there's kind of this balance of everybody that's not Catholic. That's not a practicing Catholic, almost everybody, not everyone, but nearly all of them have questions and objections and things that they're wrestling with and struggling with. And if you can help clear those up, it's going to be immensely helpful in, in you assisting them and getting them to closer to where God's calling them to be. We're more, I mean, people are more educated than they've ever been before in human history. Right. Right. Um, as particularly in like uh, the scientific method and like how to like ask questions and, and, and all that. And, and we're blessed to have a faith that is a tremendously informed faith that is backed by 2000 years of, of deep theological study and, and, and wisdom. Um, yeah. So there are answers, right? Like there are answers to those questions and, and, and really good arguments that you can provide to people. Um, but if you don't know the arguments, if you don't know those answers, then if you're just simply relying on, oh, well, like, I hope God will convert this person for me um, as I really care about them. And of course he can do that, right? But yeah. he's asking us to play, play a, a a particular role, right? Yeah. He wants to use us. Exactly. hundred percent. He wants to use us. But if we're, if we're always quiet, if we're always just like, Oh, it's not my place to speak up or something, my place to like lecture. Right. Um, then, then we're, we're totally, we're kind of missing the mark. Absolutely. It's kind of, you know, I like to use, there's two things you made me think of there. One just immediately off of that is it's kind of like a basketball analogy of you have to be training and stuff like that. So then when God puts you, he's the coach, you know, that puts you in the game when he wants you to score, and then you get in and you're just like too timid to take the shot. And it's like, right. You know, either, either you feel unprepared to take the shot because you're not trained or prepared, right? Like you haven't done the study and the research and the learning and the formation to be ready in that moment. Um, or else you're just like afraid of what the person will think of you. You're afraid to miss. And so we have to have this courage, right. To push forward, push through that. Um, so we can let God use us like he wants to. Right. Totally. And, and people, and also the other thing I would chime on that too. Yeah. Um, sometimes we, we always want to just go from zero to the Super Bowl, right? Um, Like we want to immediately get put in the big game, but that's not how anything works in life, right? Right. Like you have to go to practice. You have to go to preseason. You have to work your way through um, all these different, all these different challenges, right? And, and through that, you're refining yourself. You're, you're learning like how to be a better, uh, you know, to give that, to continue with the football example, right? You're becoming a better player. Like, you're meshing with your teammates more such that when that moment actually comes that once in a lifetime moment um, to compete at the highest level or to get, you know, to, to evangelize to somebody and actually like introduce them to Jesus and fundamentally like change their life. Um, you're actually ready. You know, it's, it yeah. doesn't come as a surprise to you. You don't get caught flat footed. Absolutely. No, hundred percent. And the other thing that I think goes along with that, that quote that kind of counterbalances that quote of preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words is the Venerable Fulton Sheen once said that there's only 10 people in the world who disagree with what Catholicism teaches. 
everybody else disagrees with what they think Catholicism teaches, right? And so, so true. Yeah, that is so big. And to think about that, okay, that means that a majority of fallen away Catholics, and, and this is true, like you have the fallen away Catholics who will tell you, yeah, I went to Catholic school through high school or whatever. And like, and I know about Catholicism and now they're all crazy in their worldview and, you know, off the rails and don't practice the faith because they think they know what they're rejecting, but they don't. I've talked, like you talk with these people and you can see that, right? Like it doesn't take a lot of time to realize, wow, you really don't know Catholicism. I think about I went to Catholic school for 13 years before I went to college and I didn't, I mean, I didn't know Jack, you know, like I knew a little bit, I knew how to look things up in the Bible, but I was no freaking Catholic scholar. Right. And so thinking about that, if, if only, and obviously the 10 numbers is kind of an analogy, right? Like it's not, it's metaphorical. It's not necessarily saying that he's, he's counted the 10, but a majority of people, the point is that a majority of people disagree with what they think the church teaches. So if you can't explain some of those main objections, like why do Catholics worship Mary? Why do Catholics hate gay people? Why do Catholics hate women and, and abortion? Why do, uh, you know, Catholics have to go to mass? Society? Why do you have to confess your sins to a priest, right? Like I call them kind of like the, they're the fact, right? The frequently asked questions of the Catholic faith. Yeah, if we can't, right. if we're not studying to be able to defend those and explain those to people. I mean, I've had mind blowing conversations on airplanes and parks, and, you know what I mean? Like just the most random places at parties, right? Like answering these questions for people. And God wants to use you. He wants to put you in the game, but we have to be ready for that. And it, yes, our joy and, and the things that kind of drew you at first, my laughter and joy and happiness and this overall approach to life, my lack of stress uh, are beautiful things and they're important. And, and God wants to give us those as well, you know, and those are kind of the way to open the door. But if we can't, we can't help, you know, actually get somebody along the process, just get them to step into the door and be like, oh, what helps you do this? And it's just like, oh God, my faith's really important to me. That's not like, that's not just enough of evangelization to actually get them to be like, well, what do I do? How do I do that? How do I overcome these mountains? You know, cause you're kind of showing people like, oh, there's the promised land on the other side of this, this mountain, but if you're not going to help them, you know, climb it, totally. what are you doing? You know what I mean? You're kind of just showing them like, oh, there's this glory on the other side, but I'm not going to actually help you overcome any of the things that are in between you and that. I'm just going to tell you about it and hope that you'll figure it out on your own. <laughs> what is that? That's not loving. That's not loving. It's not you know, like first Peter 315. Always be prepared to give an answer or excuse me, always prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope you have. Yes. Right. Like That's it's not optional. It, it's not exactly right. And, <laughs> and, and, and it's and to me like that, that is more than just saying, oh, like Jesus is my savior. Right. Like right. that's that, that's the first part of it. Right. Like that's the first thing you say. But there's a whole lot that comes after that. Right. If you just if you just say that, drop the mic and walk away, like, what what do you think that's going to accomplish, right? Exactly. And so many people stay in toxic relationships, friendships, relationships, all these things because they're being the good influence, right? They're the only person who, um, like, they, they're the only gospel. Like to quote Andy Minio, the, the only gospel that this person will ever read, right? Is is my life, and you have to at some point be like, are, are we actually bearing fruit? Right. Because there's some right. point where you have to actually like strategically and objectively evaluate that. Am I just being brought down or am I actually bringing them up? Because too many people just give themselves a ceiling by the people they surround themselves with instead of saying, am I actually helping? Because, yes, somebody seeing you go to church Sunday after Sunday is great and might possibly impact the way that they see the faith. But if you never invite them to mass, if they're never coming, with, like never coming with you and it's been years, like what are you doing? Because them just seeing you go to mass and thinking a little bit more of the faith or more about God a little bit, like for years is like, that's not, you're not really doing that much, you know, like be bolder. Like we have to be bolder. Too many people, we talked about this a lot, you know, in my last job of like, people are not ever offered or challenged. Like, do you want to choose Catholicism? You know? And if I want, if I can be remembered for anything, if I can do anything in my life successfully, like that's what I want to provide people. Like, do you want to choose Catholicism? And then their question is, what is Catholicism? And I have to be able to answer that. And why you should be Catholic versus something else. You know, why you should be, um, why you should go to mass, why you should go to confession, why you should pray to Mary, why you should, you know, be pro-life, all these things. I have to be able to explain that. And it doesn't mean I have to be able to have an hour long debate on a stage with each of those things, but a 60 second response to some of the most frequently asked questions, you know what I mean? Is not, that does not take years of study. I don't, I don't have a master's in theology, right? Like you don't have to have, I don't have any degree in theology. Like you don't have to have that in order to know those answers. I mean, there, there are literally tons of seven, five to seven minute videos and podcasts and Catholic answers, father, Mike Schmitz, 
you know, Trent Horn videos like that will answer these questions for you. Little books that have, you know, four pages on each of the questions. Um, like, uh, what is it? Uh, Trent Horn's book, Why Should I Be Catholic? Is that what the name of it is? I can't remember. I'll have to put it in the show notes, but he's got a great one on it. Um, 40 Reasons Why I'm a Catholic by Peter Kreeft. Each, each chapter is like, or each, each reason is like three pages, you know, and it's a really, really short, it's like a hundred page book and it's amazing. Um, but the other yeah, thing, we have to study those things. hundred percent. And just the, uh, the, the last thing I'd chime in on that with the, with the toxic relationships thing. And, you know, what, what do you do when you're really trying to help some help introduce someone to, to Jesus? And, uh, but maybe you're not making a lot of progress. I think you also have to have a little grace for yourself. Uh, again, like I, I definitely think the, err on the side of being bolder, right? And always pushing right. them further and faster um, because like we definitely err on the other side of that right now, but yeah. uh, of not speaking up. But also remember that like God brings people into our lives at different times for different reasons, you know? Um, right. And that, and that um, you know, you for some reason, God decided that you were gonna be the person who was gonna convert me. That doesn't mean that I didn't have amazing Catholics, amazing Christians like placed throughout my life prior to that. You know, right. like my, my, my aunt, Terry Joe, like you, you actually know her. Yeah. Kansas city. Yeah. Like God bless her. Like her family, tremendously strong Catholics. Like my, my grandmother, my, my, my mom's mom, like very strong Catholic. We have all these people in our lives that are placed there at different times and for different reasons, but ultimately like God is in control. Um, and is, you might not be the one to convert, convert everybody. Right. Right. Uh, but definitely, definitely always err on the side of being bold because you might be, you might just be a, a a, a step on the path for that person. Right. right. Um, that maybe like you're the first person that ever introduced this idea to them. And then three months later, right. Their, uh, their mom or their dad is the one who's actually like um, converting them. Right. Yeah. So always remember that we, we always have a part to play and it might not be the decisive role, but it right. is absolutely a critical part in that path for that person. Oh man, there's so much to that. Yeah. I think, you know, we talk about sowing and reaping a lot in evangelization and that's exactly right. Sometimes you plant the seeds and other people reap the harvest. And I luckily yeah. got to plant a lot of seeds with you, but also reap a lot of the harvest, right? Seeing you convert, seeing you grow as a Catholic man. And for a lot of people out there, you know, I planted the seeds and I never got to see what happened with it. Uh, for some people, I missed planting the opportunities to plant the seeds and I just didn't do it. I failed to do it, right? I failed to do it well, failed to do it with love. I didn't do it at all. You know, I didn't take action. Um, but I think it's it's important, yeah, to recognize, am I actually, are you actually evangelizing, right? And if you're never evangelizing with words, you're not evangelizing. Like, it's just simple as that. Like, there's no way around it. Like, there's no other way around it. I think if you look at, I was just kind of reflecting on, on Matthew 9 before this. You've heard me talk about this so many times, and I'm sure you're familiar with this gospel passage of uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, right? So it says that. So good. Yeah, Jesus went out, he healed all the infirmities, all the, the illness and sicknesses, he cast out demons, and he looked at the crowds and he saw that they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so he looked to his disciples and said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray then to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into the harvest. And, you know, when you look at that, when you think about Jesus, or, or God the Father, as sending out laborers into the harvest, like, just think about him doing a little AAR with you about the people whose lives you think that you're evangelizing. You know, when you, when you have these friends who you've been friends with forever and nothing's changed in their spiritual lives and you think that you're the positive influence. And we even do this with ourselves, right? Like, what have you done to grow and change? Like, we, we literally just need like a little bit of coaching or a little bit of accountability to kind of realize like, oh crap, I'm not doing anything different, right? Like, it's not, it's not really that intense, but that's why spiritual direction is so helpful. Discipleship is so helpful. But when you think about it, like, when you look at it, like I would have, it would have been really bad for me to have not invited you to mass and not have challenged you to go to mass um, and just kind of let you putter out. Like, I mean, sure. God might've sent somebody else. Maybe somebody else would have done it for sure. And God didn't need to use me to do that for you. But to think about later on, if I had not, if I had felt it in my heart and had not actually challenged you, had not invited you, had not sat down and answered those questions. And like, you didn't convert. Right. And let's say years yeah. later, you're kind of living a secular life. Like things are different. Like if I got to my death and he was like, whatever happened with that guy, Bob? Like, I felt like you guys really had, you know, a good thing going. Like, did you, like, how did it go? And I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, like I, I set a really good example. And I, um, yeah, I, I think I mentioned going to mass with him before, but he never really, never really did anything with it, you know? And he was like, well, what, what did he say when you invited him? And I'd be like, oh, I never really did. You were friends with him for like three years. Did you live together? You were friends with him. Like, you saw him like every day. 
Yeah, I just never, you know, I went on Sunday though. Like he saw me going, like he could have always come with me. Did you invite him? Did you challenge him? Did you tell him the benefits totally. of going to mass of, of what I could do in his life? No, I just figured he'd see through mine and, and would, ch- you know what I'm saying? Like, think about yeah. having, like, this is a very practical, basic conversation with God that we really should be having in our prayer lives of like, Lord, 100%. what can I do to impact these people who I want to help? Like, what can I do for my family and friends to help them to get to where God, you know, where you want them to be? Because yeah, yeah even if you're just sowing a little bit, but you have to sow through both words and actions and actually invite people. That's what early Christians did. They said, you should come and get baptized. You should meet this guy, Jesus. Like think about the apostles, right? When Andrew runs and gets his brother, like, it's like, you ha- I found the Messiah. Like you have to meet him. I-, I-, I think that we can't argue that we're truly on fire for our faith. If we don't have that zeal to want to sh- share it with others, to want right. to be like, you should come experience this. It's amazing. And, and, and I do, you know, there, there's two sides of this, right? Where on one hand, um, you know, we're called, Hey, don't, don't pray like the Pharisees, you know, who stand on the, who stand on the street corners and, and shout, you know, shout right. to everybody. And, you know, when, when they fast, right. Like, yeah, like, look how holy I am. Right. And then when they fast, right. They make it really obvious to everybody. Um, so it, you know, th- there's a, there's going too far with this, right. Where you turn into to proselytizing, where you turn into being preachy and Hey, look at how great I am and how spiritual pride, how, how awesome. Yeah. Right. Spiritual pride. Exactly. Yep. Um, but going the other direction too far where you uh where people don't even know what you stand for where people don't even like Mm. joe (laughs) president biden god bless him um like i found out i think three months before the election that he was catholic really you know which was is like shocking to me because rightfully so well like you should that shouldn't be something that is um that is hidden about you, you know, yeah. like people should know what you stand for and who Chuck you Schumer, are. Nancy Pelosi, um, yeah. Right. Oh, right you yeah. know? Um, and, and like your faith sh- shouldn't be something that like five, five years into, into knowing somebody, I mean, I guess I, I met president Obama. you know, I've known, I've known uh, Biden since 2008 or whatever. Yeah. Um, but like, it At shouldn't least, be like, yeah. right. Right. It shouldn't be like five years into a friendship with somebody. They're like, Oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Yeah. Like, cause that means, that means like, they're not they're not doing a great job of showing who they are right of actually being honest to, to who they who they are um not really like actually displaying it or talking about it and and, right. and doing what doing what we're called to do um to li- actually live out our faith in, in word and action um and it also probably speaks to some relative lack of like deepness in the relationship as well you know you and i always talk about this right like if you never if you never go deep you never get deep where yeah like so many, so many friendships, right? You just talk about like, um, you know, actually, I think, I think Eleanor Roosevelt said this and I'll, and I'll probably butcher the quote, but it's, um, you know, like common people talk about, um, oh man, I'm gonna, I gotta look it up. But ba- basically it's like, it's like um, common people talk about the news, you know, uh, or common people talk about people, great people talk about ideas, right? Yeah. And I think there's a third one, but I'm, it's, I'm blanking on it. But, but just the idea is that like, if you're always just talking about, you know, what's on ESPN and, and, you know, <laughs> Instagram and like, you know, what's going on with Kim Kardashian and, and like the whole family, then you're never going to actually like drill down deep into the things that really matter right. for people. Right. You're not going to talk about like, you're not going to talk about their relationships, about their faith lives, about like the, the fears that they have, their like their strengths, their weaknesses. Uh, and ultimately, like those are the things that are uh, that relationships, the best relationships are built on, you know, those big rocks. Right. And it's when you build yeah. your house on a rock, not on sand. So you, but you have to ask the question. Right. If you never if you never ask the question of like, hey, Nathan, like, what are you struggling with right now in life? Like, what's your biggest fear? If I never yeah. ask you that question. Right. Like we never we never get to go deep, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that would in turn, like, make you a bad friend. Right. That's being a good friend does not mean like avoiding these things. It means deliberately there for somebody. Like when there's some type of tragedy in their life, like you're present, that is part of it, you know, but that can't be your only, like everybody does, like almost everybody does that. Only, only horrible friends don't do that. Right. Like the description that most people have for what is a good friend is just all the things that a horrible friend wouldn't do. Like it really just makes you like the basic, it's like the base, you know, requirement to be a friend is like caring about the other person. Like, yes, I get that. But do you actually, are you proactive in trying to help better them? And you and I, I mean, we've had horrifically hard conversations about that, right? Like just pushing each other to make each other better. 
but I think you, you hit such a good point of like, everybody's so fearful of being that Pharisee of being like a Puritan and all these things that there's like no accountability. There's no challenging. There's no doing that. And I think one of the things we always have to do is we have to point to God, you know, which I try to do. And I hope that people don't find it like that. I'm just kind of doing it to check the box. But when I say things like praise the Lord for how he worked in my life prior to how I was able to show an example to you, like that is not, I don't take credit for that. You know, like I'm so thankful for Mike Solomon, for Thomas Gallagher, for Father Brian Nolan, you know, for Father Dan Powell, for Sheila Sprague, all the people. I mean, there's, and that's, there's countless more who have played a huge role in my life that helped me to get to a point where I was, you know, able to uh, allow God to work through me to help you. And so it's so important, you know, I think, you know, I, we haven't talked about this and I don't want to drop his name or drag his name through the mud, but one of our favorite Christian rappers actually like made me think of this the other day with something he posted on Instagram. Um, and it's, it was so funny. So he, he talked about how one of his, one of his homies sent him a video of his song, great irony to this, his Christian rapper song, Christian rap song being played in a strip club. Right. And it was obviously wild, right? Like unbelievable. But a lot of people on the post were commenting and laughing and I just couldn't help seeing the post where it was like, oh, here come the Puritans, right? Like, uh, you know, criticizing and things like that. And it's just like, how are you actually helping it? Like, do you know how not bold in your faith you have to be for somebody to feel comfortable sending you a video of them at the strip club? You know, like, I, I get it. Like, we're not going to be Puritans. It doesn't mean I can't talk to somebody if I know they go to the strip club or, you know, that, I mean, we did it in, in the army. It was a great example of this, right? I had a ton of friends who were heathens and I tried to set a good example, try to challenge them. And I failed in many, many cases in many ways. But I still know that they wouldn't feel, hopefully feel comfortable. Hopefully I've, I've drawn the line and showed them uh, where, how I feel about that, that they wouldn't send me a video of them at the strip club. But furthermore, that I would go in and brag about that or talk about it publicly, you know, like there's anything good about that or to endorse it or laugh about it in any way, despite the great irony and the, you know, I, I mean, it's one thing to tell your friends like, dude, you know, this happened and it's a funny thing, right? To play a Christian rap song in a strip club. But at the same time, like, why are we like, why are we joking about that? Why, why is that funny? You know, it's like saying like, oh, my friend sent me a video of him watching porn and this and that and some funny thing happened during that. It's like, there's nothing like redeemable about that. You know what I mean? Like not bringing we don't, me closer to God. Yeah. We don't need to share that, uh, you know, in a public way that kind of mocks it and like belittles the, the seriousness of it. Um, and there has to be exactly what you said about people should know what you stand for. If you've been around people for years, like they should know. And I experienced that so many times with my friends that I made in college and after college of people not wanting, and I, I know that sometimes I've, I've come on hard and I, I've been judgmental towards others, but I've always kind of experienced with my high school and college friends, I feel like uh, a lot of the friendships that have faded over time are people who feel uncomfortable around me because they know I want to hold them accountable, right? And not in a, right. a, a lot of times, not in a judgmental way. I have not been undefeated in this. I have not done it perfectly. A lot of times I didn't do it well. A lot of times I failed miserably. But a lot of people, when they start to fade away, when they start, stop practicing their faith, when they start, you know, falling back into serious sin and acting like it's okay, they don't want to talk to me anymore. And to, to a certain extent, like, that's a good thing to me, you know, is to know that. And, and I want people, I, I have to push myself back and to be vulnerable with somebody like you when I fall back into sin, when I fall in, in all these different ways and I start to struggle, right? Like, I have to come to you and my other good, you know, virtuous friendships, of which are only a few, and say, hey, this is kind of where I'm at, you know, but it's easy to kind of run. We've done it from each other, right? You want to run and hide from the people you know are going to hold you accountable. And are <laughs> you right. that for other people? Or are they, are you somebody who they know that you can just come back and uh, you're not, you're not even going to talk about it. You're not going to, you're not going to mention like, hey, it's one thing to console, right? It doesn't mean as soon as somebody tells you they made a mistake, you have to be like, that's, you're going to hell, right? Like you need to go to confession immediately. Like, what are you doing? That is awful. That's horrific. You don't have to yell at them, but at some point, are they going to know that like, you think that it's wrong? And you want to game plan with them about how can we change it? Because the reason why I think a lot of those people don't come back is because they don't want to change it. And they know that I'm not going to be okay with them just not changing it, right? Like I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to talk about it. And so there has to be that. And it's got to be done with love and, and gentleness and kindness and the true love for wanting to help the other person, not just a judgment. I'm holier than you. But if you're never called in today's world, if nobody ever thinks like you have the holier than thou complex, you probably haven't hold, held anybody accountable. <laughs> Because that means Dude. that every one of those conversations is going well for you, which is impossible. If you're having exactly, enough of them, right? they shouldn't all be going well. They shouldn't, they shouldn't all be going well. They should, some of them should be awkward. Some of them should right. be awkward, you know? Uh, and man, you said so much good stuff there that I, that I want to respond to. But like, but two things right off the bat. Um, like first, right, we're, we, don't, we don't judge people, we judge actions, right? 
which is, which is a critical, a critical differentiator, you know? Uh, and, And to be very clear, like I and you are, tremendously sinful people (laughs) um to this day right like and and praise god that like we've we've been able to move like grow past some of our sins and and things that we used to struggle with but like but like we still sin on a a daily basis and and like we're not trying to like like elevate ourselves but like it's important to hold people like to say like hey this thing that you're doing like i love you you know you are like you're my friend but this thing that you're doing is not right it's not correct and I'm, I'm going to like tell you that, um, I mean, the, the exa- like, I, I won't, I won't share, I won't share his name, but like, I went through this with one of my friends recently. Um, you know, he called me like, this was pre COVID, um, pre COVID. He called me like last winter and, and said, Hey, like our, our mutual friends having a party with all of his business school friends. Um, let's go crash it. You know, he didn't, he didn't invite us even though like we're his boys, like, let's go crash this party. Right. Um, and he's, he's a little reckless, but, uh, I'm like, we're, I'm not going to do that. Like, like, cause that wouldn't be a good friend thing to do would be to like embarrass our mutual friend, um, in front of like his other friends. Right. And just show up unexpected and, right. and crash this thing. And, and you know, my, my, my it's not the move know. as they'd say, right. It's, it's not the move. And, and <laughs> the friend who called me, he's just like, yeah, yeah, I hear you. But wouldn't it be sick? Like <laughs> it's a good idea. Right. And I'm like, no. I'm not going to condone this for you. Like, yeah. I'm not going to give you the tacit thumbs up. Like, it's objectively uh, bad. Right. Like, like uh, one, I'm not going to go with you. And two, I'm not going to tell you that, like, it's something you should do either. You know, I, I'm not right. going to, I'm not going to say like, oh, well, you know, do whatever you feel. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think this is a bad idea. And yeah. I think that it's like the wrong thing to do. And I don't think it's respectful of our mutual friend. Um, obviously, I can't control your actions. But like, we owe that to our friends. If we actually, if we're actually going to be a good friend, right. Yep. We owe it to our friends to tell them when they're going the wrong direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and praise God that you and I have each other and, and other people, right. Like yeah. who have, who, who can hold each who other accountable, that. who do yeah. that. Right. <laughs> it's tough. Man. The courage to ask, the courage so to say something, to speak up, man. Yeah. And yeah. And you have to be that friend to have a friend like that. You know, that has to be reciprocal or else it doesn't, it doesn't work. And, you know, it's like a good marriage, any good, like virtuous, strong, actual building one, one another up relationship requires reciprocity. Um, But one of the things that, you know, I think is really important to kind of hone in on here as we'll we'll start to close down (laughs) um, as we got kind of sidetracked. We we can talk for hours, man. (laughs) Fire. Yeah. Uh, But why does it matter? You, You hit on that and you said, you know, this matters and we have to do this. And why does it matter? It matters because, and I think this is always important to remind people, it's obvious truth that heaven and hell are real. And if you read the the best book for this, I'm pretty sure you've read it, The Great Divorce uh, by C.S. Lewis. Uh, It's it's fire. And it's a book you have to read because it really sets you, you know, like literally a must read because it sets you in the mindset of why all this stuff matters. Because you get to see in The Great Divorce how, the answer to the question that is another frequently asked question is how can all loving, all just, all merciful God send people to hell? And the answer that most of us give is that God doesn't send people to hell. People choose hell for themselves. And if you spend a lifetime clinging to sin instead of to running towards God, right? Even like, obviously we're all going to sin. We're all going to fail. We're all going to get up and try again. Not all of us get up and try again, right? And run back to God and ask God for the grace and continue to struggle and, and grow closer to God, despite, you know, three steps forward, two steps back, that's a lot different than a thousand steps back and no steps forward. Right. Right. And God just applauds us for the steps forward that we take. And he loves those. And he always wants us to do those. And we have to portray his mercy and his love, but also recognize that if people spend their entire life running from God and choosing their sins and choosing themselves, that's not good for their eternal salvation. Right. Like this is not just, Oh, I might upset my friend. I might offend them or what. Like if you believe in scripture, if you believe in what Jesus tells us, Jesus tells us that there will be people who have cast out demons in his name, who have done miracles, who worked miracles in his name and healed people who he will say, I have, I did not know you, you know? And so we have to be mindful of that. The people who just completely neglect God, knowing well of his existence, knowing well of our practice of the faith and, and some of the fruits from being able to watch us, right? If we never actually challenge them. And again, like I said, offer them Catholicism and the faith in Jesus. Like, what are we doing? Like, you can't, you can't actually say, I've always thought about it this way. If I don't care enough for those souls 
to, to give them the opportunity and offer them uh, the same path to salvation that I've been offered and given by the grace of God? Like, do I deserve heaven any more than they do? You right. know, how can I go and watch them walk away and be like, man, I should have, like, how can you enjoy heaven that way? Right? Like, if you didn't try to bring people with you, knowing you left you some ever, behind. Yeah. How can you ever enjoy heaven knowing that you weren't bold and you weren't trying? And this is, I mean, this is convicting even for me, just thinking about my own life and how, how have I done that? And I've been so poor with this lately. It's unbelievable, but we all have to grow in this and just get better because what I've been talking about a lot lately is the spiritual warfare and just the effects that you're seeing on our country and in the world and the decline in the church. Like I, I constantly just say to people that this is not good for, um, for souls. It's not good for the church. It's not good for the future of the church. It's not good for the culture. It's not good for the country. It's not good for the world. And we have to have offense and spiritual warfare. Dude, fifth stands of the Ranger Creed. Like I would never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy. Yeah. And under no circumstances will I ever embarrass my country. Absolutely. Um, and like, I think it's the same it, in some ways, right. It's the same thing with, with, uh, with this race we're running, we're talking about, you know, um, like the, these Catholicism, like Christianity is an opt-in is an opt-in thing. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and the people who, who opted in and, and are falling away, like they're the ones who are at the most risk because they, because they know they've been told the truth. Right. Um, they've been told the truth and like, and if we let them, if we let them go the wrong direction, like we have some guilt in that, you know, we have some, some real, um, like, like we will be, when, when it comes to, when it comes to the last judgment, like that is going to be something that we have to account for as well. It's not just like the people we brought with us. Right. But the people that, that, that we leave behind. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so important, man. So hopefully you've been able to share that. And I think that your story is such a great success story in that and praise the Lord for it. Eternally thankful for that. Always thankful for our friendship, man. And we have so much more to talk about. So we'll definitely be doing another episode together. I, I'm excited to share with people the, the more, more detail behind the founding of Seeking Excellence. Um, and then we have another great topic that we actually prepared for today that we didn't touch on at all. But this is one of my favorite podcasts we've ever done. So uh, Bob, just super thankful for your time today, man. And thankful for much more thankful for your, your friendship, your example to so many others, uh, your wonderful wife, Sarah, and uh, just all that, that you've done for me in my life as well. Amen. I, 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 this has been a blast today. Thanks for having me on. God bless, brother.